0: Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for all your blessings. Most of all, we thank you for the great plan of redemption that you planned and sent the Lord Jesus Christ to consummate. We thank you that we're privileged to walk in the light of that redemption today. Thank God Jesus not only redeemed us from sin, but he took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us utterance in the Spirit. Thank you for unveiling, unfolding, revealing the Word of God to our spirits. And thank you for the privilege that we have to act upon the Word and to become recipients of all you provided and promised. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles... I'll have you to turn to three scriptures or three openings. Uh, Actually, each night that I've spoken, I've used these. We began last Monday night with these scriptures. And I want to finish what I started. I started talking to you about seven most important things that you ought to know about healing. Amen. Now, first of all, Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, the fourth and fifth verses. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. If you have a good reference Bible, you'll find that the Hebrew actually said, Surely he hath borne our sickness and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Matthew the 8th chapter and the 17th verse said that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Then in First Peter chapter 2 verse 24, Peter said, Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed the bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established well here's three witnesses amen praise god and so the first thing that you and foremost thing that you need to know about healing is that it is god's will you don't have to pray if it's lord if it's your will heal me if it's your will heal this one or that one it is his will because it's in His plan of redemption. Now you wouldn't pray with someone that came to be saved and said, Lord, if it's your will, save this person. You know what the Bible said. Amen. God not willing that any should perish. All should come and repent. It is His will. Well you see, healing's in the same plan of redemption. You see, some folks said, well why didn't everybody heal? Well, do you ever stop to think about it? Salvation really Belongs to everybody in the world, you know, legally and scripturally. Jesus didn't just die for me and you. God so loved the world. Well, why aren't the, why isn't the world saved? If salvation, belongs? well, either because they haven't heard and don't know it, or else they didn't accept it when it happened, didn't believe it. See, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So if they don't believe it, thank God I believed it. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. And so healing is his will because it's in his plan of redemption. And then the second most important thing that you need to know about healing is that sickness comes from Satan, not from God. The Bible said in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The Bible calls sickness oppressive, Actually calls it satanic oppression. Satan is the oppressor, but Jesus is the deliverer and the healer. Praise God. Then Jesus said in Luke, you remember, thirteen sixteen, uh, when that woman came into the synagogue who was bowed over, could in no wise lift herself up, and Jesus healed her on the Sabbath day, and the ruler of the synagogue, you know, became angry about it. And so Jesus said, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, now notice, Whom Satan is bound. Whom did Jesus say bound this woman? Satan has bound. Lo, these 18 years. Be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. Sickness is bondage. But thank God, Jesus is the deliverer. Amen? And then, of course, John 10.10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I'm come. He's talking about Satan, the thief. I'm come, Jesus said, that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. Praise God. And then the third most important thing you know, don't know about healing is that God dealt with sickness in the New Testament as well as the Old. Now, see, everybody believes that God healed because you got all the Scripture back there in the Old Testament and the covenant that God made with Israel when he said, you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and I'll take sickness away from the midst of you and the number of your days you'll fulfill. But thank God, we have a better covenant established on better promises. If anything's better, it includes all that the old was and more too, or else it's not better. Amen. And then number four, Most important thing about healing is you need to realize and know that there's more than one method of receiving healing. It seems to me that the Lord so badly wanted us to heal that he provided seven different methods whereby folks may obtain healing through and in the New Testament. Amen. And you ought to be able to hook on to one of them. Now, first of all, and and we got down this far in our discussion, John 14, chapter 13, 14 verses, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Now, that's not talking about prayer. In the 16th chapter of John's gospel, 23rd and 24th verses, Jesus said, in that day you shall ask me nothing, but whatsoever, that's the day we're living in now, and whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it you. That's prayer. But no, he's talking about using the name, whatever you ask. Now, The Greek word translated ask also is translated demand. Whatever you demand in my name. Well, you're not demanding anything of God, so you're not praying. No, you're using the name like Peter and John did at the gate called Beautiful. You remember in the third chapter of Acts, Peter and John were going into the temple through the gate, at the hour of prayer, through the gate called Beautiful, and there sat this man who were set there daily to beg alms. In other words, a beggar set there daily. Amen. And seeing Peter and John, he asked of them an alms. Peter fastened his eyes on him with John and said, Look on us. And he looked on them expecting to receive something. And so Peter said, Silver and gold have I, na- have I none, but such as I have. Thank God he did have. Give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In other words, he demanded in Jesus' name that he rise up and walk. Amen? Praise God. We have a right to the use of that name. Hallelujah. Amen. We have a right to the use of that name. Praise God. We have a right to demand healing because it belongs to us. We're not demanding anything of God. We're demanding it of Satan, who's the author of sickness and disease. Amen? And then, of course... Uh, prayer, of course. The scripture said here, Jesus said, in that day, now see, he said this just before he went to Calvary, to die, then to be raised from the dead, The sin don't hide, A new day dawns. Thank God we're living in that day. And so, he said, in that day you shall ask me nothing, but whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it you. Glory to God. Now, in James, the fifth chapter, and the 16th verse, the word of God says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray ye one for another, that ye may be healed. Well, would he, see, he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. Would he ask you to pray for something that wasn't his will? People, dear Lord, they're still hung up on that will part. And there's a scripture right there in your face. Yeah. No. Must be his will to heal every single one of them. He wouldn't tell you. Pray one for another that you may be healed. For the fervent, affection, prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. Now, another way just prior to that 16th verse, you remember the 14th and 15th verses of James 5? Is any sick among you let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, and anointed with all in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, it shall be forgiven him. Now that's one method of receiving healing, but it's not the only one. You know, I uh, when I was on the bed of sickness 67 years ago, the doctor said I had to die. And I began to see a little light about healing. I decided to run my reference on healing and faith through the New Testament and I did that and I came to James and I read this and you see in my immaturity and lack of knowledge, I thought you had to do that. And when I read that, I remember I began to cry and to weep. And I said to the Lord, Lord, you know, if I've got to have somebody come north me with oil and pray with me, I don't know. They, they don't do that in my church. I don't know anybody that, that does that. Then I can't be healed. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. If you're born again, the Holy Ghost is living right down here inside you. And on the inside of me, Jesus said, When he the Spirit of truth has come, he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Amen. So the Holy Ghost does speak. What does he hear? what do you mean? Whatever he hears Jesus say, whatever he hears the Father say, he'll speak that right here. So, when I said, Lord, if I have to send, you know, something for the elders, I don't know anybody. I don't know any church, and I didn't at that time, that does that, that anoints with oil, that prays. And so, on the inside of me, I heard these words. Did you notice that it's a prayer of faith that heals or saves the sick or heals. See, the same Greek word sozo is translated to save and translated to heal. Did you notice? I said, no, 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 no. Right out loud, I said, no, I didn't notice that. I got my eyes on the elders and the oil. And you know, the elders and the oil ain't never healed anybody yet. (laughs) Amen. And so when he said, did you notice it's a prayer of faith? I said, no, I didn't notice that. And I read it again. And when I read it again, I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. It says the prayer of faith shall so heal the sick. And I heard these words. You can pray that prayer as well as anyone. Thank God I did. And because it was healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now. You see that almost sounds like a contradiction when you have the fourteenth and fifteenth verses saying, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him and know all in the name of the Lord to pray faith shall save or heal the sick, the Lord shall raise him up, and if he committed sin it shall be forgiven him. Now notice immediately. Immediately. Sixteenth verse. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. Here he's talking about calling for the elders, and here he's talking about praying for one another. What's well, I don't know uh, you men ever heard of him, but there was when I first received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues, came among the Pentecostals, there was a man that I heard of by the name of P.C. Nelson. I was greatly interested in him for the simple reason that he had a Baptist background as well as myself. Actually, he had been a Baptist minister for uh, uh, about 50 years. And then he got healed and got baptized the Holy Ghost and was a Pentecostal minister for about 20 some odd years. And uh, not only that, but I read in in a secular magazine, not religious, the year he went home to be with the Lord. And In a secular magazine, they said P.C. Nelson in Fort Worth, Texas, is a leading authority in America on the Greek language. He could write and speak 32 different languages. had me beat by 32. Amen. Amen. And he is the number two authority on the Greek name. He had 12 years of higher education. One of the most educated men. Did a lot of work for the government in World War Number 1 because he could speak and write so many different languages. That was his major every time he went to college, was linguistics. Well, Dad Nelson said to we youngsters, young ministers, concerning this scripture... And he would read the Greek. Actually, the last time I heard him speak, uh, I went to a convention. He was one of the speakers. And after he had spoken, he had a lot of books that he had, because he had a library of about 50,000 books. And so he would bring a bunch of books and spread them out. They didn't have a table. He'd just spread them out on the back pew and, and try to get books into the hands of we young ministers to assist us and help us. And so, six or seven of us youngsters gathered around him, and he was sitting there reading from his Greek Testament. And so, someone said, you know, that's backwards, uh, because it started from what we call the back and come to the front. Oh, no, no, he said, we're the one that's back, said all ancient writings are that way. And then... As, as we talked to him he said, "I always do all of my devotional reading from the Greek Testament. He said there are idioms in the Greek that we don't have a counterpart, counterpart for it in English. Now for instance and he gave this scripture that I gave a while ago where Jesus said, "If you ask anything in my name I'll do it that the Father may glorify to the son." Now, he said, you cannot make a stronger assertion in English language than to say, I shall or I will. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it, Jesus said. So the translators felt like that they should put that in there because that's the strongest assertion can be made. But he said, let me read it to you in the Greek. And he read it in the Greek and it's all Greek to me. <laughs> he read it in the Greek, read it off, and then he... He read the English, he said, here's what he literally said, if you ask anything in my name, if I don't have it, I'll make it for you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So they translated it, I will do it. But then Dad Nelson said to us, here in James, where he said, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. The Greek word translated sick here, he said, literally me is anyone beyond helping themselves? God didn't intend that you could call for the elders or the pastor to come with every little old ache and toenail toe toe, <laughs> toe <laughs> and tooth or whatever. If anyone, amen, is beyond helping themselves. See, you can get so sick you can't do a thing. You need somebody to help you. Then let him call the other church. But ordinarily, pray one for another that you may be healed. I heard a man a number of years ago at a convention speak. Uh, He was a member of one of the Pentecostal movements. And he had retired from pastoring after 37 years. Prior to this time, he had gone into this Little town, well actually it wasn't too big, maybe 25, 30. Could have been 50,000 population. No full gospel work, see years before. And started, pioneered a new church, and then pastored it for 37 years. And I heard him say from the pulpit, in 37 years, we never did bury one single baby. In thirty seven years we never did bury one child. In thirty seven years we never did bury a teenager from our congregation. See what I meant? In thirty seven years we never did bury a middle aged person. The only people that we buried were elderly. See, God didn't promise you wouldn't die, live their lives out, went home and be with the Lord. He said somebody said, How'd you do it? He said, Really? We had no prayer program planned. But if a member of our congregation got sick, people would know it. I mean it was spread and folks would start gathering at the church to pray. And he said they would be people, we didn't ask them, we didn't tell them to do it, evident the Holy Ghost was leading them. Amen. But he said there'd be somebody there, in fact a number of people there, twenty four hours a day praying. He said it's a usual thing. A lot of times we'd get them healed and they're praying at church. They're in the home, but we'd get them healed the first day. Never over three days. Amen. Well, pray one for another. That's Bible, isn't it? I said that's scriptural, isn't it? Pray one for another. That's what they were doing. Thank God it worked. God's word works. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Then again, Mark the sixteenth chapter. You're familiar with that, fifteenth verse. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now notice that one of the signs that will follow them that believe. Actually, the Greek literally says the believing ones is they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These signs shall follow the evangelist. No. These signs shall follow the apostle. No. These signs shall follow the pastor. No. These signs shall follow the teacher. No. These signs shall follow the prophet. No. These signs shall follow them that believe. They lay hands on the sick. Amen. Praise God. Now, of course, the ministry may have them minister along that line, God uses them too. But we need to realize that laying on of hands for healing belongs to every believer. 1966 I was a speaker, one of the speakers at Full Gospel World Convention in St. Louis, Missouri. And after that uh, Full Gospel Bidman Convention, I rented the ballroom in that same hotel, and the next week I had a faith seminar teaching morning and night on the subject of faith. And a lady said to me, Brother Hagin, my neighbor has been bedfast two and a half years. Bed fast. How she's lived, the doctors don't know. They said she ought to have been dead long ago. But I got her to listen to your, we had those reel-to-reel tapes in those days, sub weeks, you know. I got her to listen to your tapes, and then... She couldn't handle the big book but the little bitty book on God's medicine. She could handle that, just small, you know. And uh, I believe she's ready. Would you come this afternoon and lay hands on her? I said, no, ma'am. You lay hands on her. Me? Yeah, it's you. Well, I never laid hands on anybody. I said, well, it's time you got started. <laughs> well, I don't much believe I want to do that. I said, I command you to. You go lay hands on her. Besides that, Jesus commands you to. Jesus said these signs, of Father them believe, they'll lay hands on. Jesus said for you to. You, you think I ought to? I said, no, I don't think you ought to. I, th- I know you should. Well, if you think so. I said, I don't think so. I know so. Do it. Well, the night services were larger and I didn't get it located in the crowd. But the next morning, the crowd was smaller and, and I got it located. I didn't have to ask her. I could tell by looking at her. Her face is lit up like a neon sign in the dark. <laughs> and she came to me immediately after morning session. And she said, you know what? I said what? Said I did what you said? No, I said you did what Jesus said. Not what I said. Jesus said it. I just encourage you. She said, you know I laid hands on her and said she was healed? I mean, she couldn't get up and go to the bathroom. But she got up out of bed immediately. Glory to God. Amen. She smiled again and said, Maybe I ought to quit. I could say now everybody out laid hands on and got healed. But no, she said, You know what? I'm not going to quit. I'm going to go out laying hands on folks. When I came over into Pentecostal circles. 1937, got baptized with the Holy Ghost as a young Baptist boy pastor, got the left foot of fellowship from among the Baptists, came over among the Pentecostals. And I heard about a man in East Texas by the name of Flagler, F-L-A-G-L-E-R, a, a, a farmer, not a preacher, never preached a sermon in his life. But he had such a healing ministry. I mean, it spread all over East Texas, all over a number of counties. And uh, in the process of time, now that's 37, but in 1945, we uh, was holding a meeting in his church, and my wife and I, and two children, because they were with us in the summertime, uh, we, we we stayed in their home. I talked to him every day. He had such a fame spread everywhere, for getting people healed. Asked him, you know, if he had any special anointing. He said, no. If he ever felt, well, he's baptized the Holy Ghost, you know. No, I never felt anything special. Feel any power, didn't feel any power. Any gifts operating for the Word, didn't know it. He said, I just read the Bible. He said, now, how I got started was, and I was just a young man then, there was a church in East Texas called Old Overton Tabernacle. It predates the Azusa Street Revival, you know, 1906 to 1909. See, Brother Seymour, who went out to Los Angeles, Azusa Street, came from Alvin, Texas. And there was a group in Alvin, Texas, and there's a group there in, they called it Overton Tabernacle, that were baptized in the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues, prior to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in nineteen six, And uh, so he said, of course, if our pastor left, there's no you know, there were no Pentecostal movements. Where do you get a pastor? Well, we'd just pray, God send us one. That's all the way we could do. And said sometime we'd be a year without a pastor. Well, he said I was a young man, but I was a deacon. So we deacons tried to, you know, carry on. And so if some of them got sick, they, they, they'd they ask us to come and we'd go and anoint them with oil, lay hands upon them. Amen. But he said the thing that really got me starting was, uh, he said uh, in, in Overton, and about five miles from Overton was another little town called Arp, Arp, Texas. And uh, there was a Presbyterian doctor that lived in Arp. Actually, he was the only doctor of three or four counties. And of course, doctors made house calls. See, we're talking about way back at the turn of the century. Now, when I'm talking about, when I was talking to him, 45, but he got started doing that. Because, see, when I talked to him, he was elderly. He was a young man when all this started. And he said, uh, this the wife came down with terminal cancer. He put her on a train sent her to New York City. They sent her back to die. Nothing could be done. And so he had, because he knew of people that Brother Flagler and Miss Flagler had laid hands on and anointed with oil and got healed. And so he asked them to come and minister to his wife, and she was healed of terminal cancer. Brother Flagler said from then on then, when any of his patients, he was Presbyterian, but any of his patients got beyond his aid, in other words, medical science came to He'd always tell him, "I'll tell you what I'd do if it's me. I'd call for that Pentecostal deacon, have him and his wife come, and then the doctor would give the testimony how his wife was healed of terminal cancer." Well, of course, I mean people giving up, like Brother Franker said to me. Every single case was given up by the doctor to die, but we fa- we very f- seldom fail to get them healed. Think about that. Just a deacon, just a layman. I just read, they lay hands on the sick. They'll anoint them with oil. So just did it. Believe God. Read the Bible to them. Of course, he said, I'd tell, show them what the Bible said, give them scripture. And so his fame of getting people healed when that doctor, you know, recommended it and testified to it. So he's just going constantly. He had to get somebody else to run the farm. He's going constantly. No wonder his fame spread all over East Texas. There's a sequel to the story that's very interesting. I was conducting a meeting, my wife and I, in East Texas in uh, a place called Wright City. The oil field was booming. All this is oil field. They pumped all that oil out since then. Still not oil there, but not like it was. And for Brother and Sister Goodwin. And I told this incident, you know, because people, you know, of course the uh, younger generation has come up, so they don't know. But uh, talking about Brother Flagler and so on. And Brother Goodwin said, Brother Hagin, let me tell you, said uh, you know, Brother Fragner went home to be with the Lord. Sister Fragner's quite old. And once in a while, her brother will bring her and come here on a Sunday night for church. And he said, we were taking prayer requests, and one of our young ladies got up with tears and said, You know, my wife, my husband, I've been married 10 years, haven't been able to conceive or have any children. After a physical examination, the doctor said that I I, I would never become pregnant. And we wanted children so badly, would you all pray, you know, for me? And so he said, when the service over, Sister Flagler went to her. Here she is, you know, nearly 90 years of age. And said, she said, "Uh, now honey, you can't have a baby. I'm going to pray for you. And gave her testimony after testimony of praying. And it came to pass. Sure enough, she got pregnant. She went to her doctor that doctor told her that it's medically impossible for her to become pregnant and said, "I'm pregnant. oh no he said you can't be." she said, "You go ahead they didn't have all the home kits and then you know, and, and so he ran the test and he said, "I can't believe it I can't believe it. yeah you're pregnant." Well she's rejoicing about it but he said, you'll not be able to have this child by natural birth you'd have to take it by c-section you see." And so she said, Well, Sister Flagler said I could. Now listen carefully. The doctor said, Oh. Now if Sister Flagler said so, that's different. He said, I remember I was 12 years old when my mother was healed of cancer. His daddy was a doctor now. And if Sister Flagler said it, yeah. And so Brother Goodwin said he contacted us as it drew near for the time of the delivery. And they made house calls in those days. People, babies, both our babies, children were born at home. And so the doctor, though, contacted him and said, Reverend Goodman, I know from a medical standpoint, unless we have a miracle, we're in trouble. And I want you and your wife there. He's looking for believers. So Brother Goodman said Sister Flagler went and stayed several days with her prior to the delivery. And he said, uh, Brother Goodwin said, time came, they called us, so we went. And he said, I said to my wife, I'll just sit here in the car and pray. And she went on inside. Doctor drove up behind him. Brother Goodwin said he rolled a window, because it's cold, rolled the window down. And the doctor said, Reverend, you better believe with us if you don't, we're in trouble. The doctor went inside. He said, just, what, 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 20, 30 minutes? He said, here he come out just a grinning, a doctor, Presbyterian. And Brother Gooden said, I rolled a window down and said the doctor said, well, God and Sister Flagler did it again. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 And here was just a farmer and a farmer's wife. But they believed what the Bible said. You just think about it. Praise God if everybody dries up and started exercising, doing what God said they'd do, what all we you couldn't get them all in church. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then, of course, the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians the twelfth chapter in the ninth verse, concerning the gifts of the Spirit or ways that the Holy Ghost manifests Himself. You remember in the seventh verse he said of 1 Corinthians 12. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. And, and right on down the line. To another, faith or special faith. To another, the work of the miracles. To another, gifts of healings. Both gifts and healings are in the plural in the Greek. Amen. And so there are manifestations of the Spirit, you know, That's manifested as the, as the Spirit wills. And so then he wound up in the 11th verse by saying, but all of these worketh that one and self same Spirit, dividing to every man separately as he wills. You see, gifts of healings is when God initiates healing. Amen. And you need to, another thing, the fifth thing you need to know about healing is that God does initiate healings on his own. But then you can always initiate your own healing by believing God. Amen. Now, I'll show you the difference scripturally. First of all, the Bible said in John three thirty four that Jesus had the Spirit without measure. Because he has a Spirit without measure, then he has a full manifestation of all of these gifts and manifestation of the Spirit. Amen. But now, concerning the woman with the issue of blood that we've looked at a number of times, certain woman with issue of blood and all that you know, and uh, she touched Jesus' clothes. If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And when she did touch him, Jesus said, Somebody touch me. The disciple said, Master, the multitude throngeth thee, and saith thou, Somebody touch me. He looked around to be about to see this thing, and but the woman, fearing and trembling, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole, didn't he? I said, didn't he? Didn't he? Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be hold of that plague. See, she initiated their healing by her own faith. The Bible said when she heard of Jesus, she said, she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Amen. Now, go over to the fifth chapter of John's Gospel. Fifth chapter of John's Gospel. And remember that the Bible tells us that there was a pool here uh, at, at, at Bethesda, and, and around that pool, was all these porches full of sick, haught, lame, so on, waiting for the moving of the water. Now why? An angel came down from heaven and troubled the water, and the first person in got healed. Just one, that's all. So Jesus came along, and here was this man for, with a disease and condition of about 38 years. And Jesus said to him, Will thou be made whole? He said, Sir, I have no one to put me in the water. Somebody always gets in ahead of me. Jesus said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. The man rose up, took up his bed, praised God, and walked and was healed. Now, that was a manifestation of gifts of healings, you see. God initiated. doesn't say a word about him believing, does it? Amen? Are you listening? Praise God forevermore. Thank God. Amen. I was conducting a meeting way back in 1950 uh, in a little country church in East Texas, right close to the Louisiana line. And 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 I just finished my sermon. Now the building's full. It's August of 1950, out in the country, no air conditioning. The windows are open, try to get a little air. Building's not large, but it's full. And, And then there are double doors out there, and there's light out there, of course. And you could just see a sea of men's faces standing outside there. And so suddenly, the anointing came upon me. You see, it is as the Spirit will, not as I will. See, people see you and they want you to do this, but the anointing's not there. Well, you be sit there and holler and say all you want to all day and nothing happened. And and so suddenly, the anointing came upon me. And I knew exactly. I, I said, uh, I said, there's a sinner man watching me right through those open doors. And you have a double hernia or a rupture. Lord told me to tell you to come in here and I'll lay hands on you and both of them will disappear instantly. They tell me a man out there throwed a cigarette down. I mean, here he came. Well, I asked when he got down there because I like to prove things out. I said, anybody know this man? People begin to laugh. Everybody knew him. Come to find out he's a leading citizen of the county. I come to find out if the governor wanted to carry that county or the counties around had to go through him to get it. If the senator, state senator, United States senator, if he wanted to carry that count and two or three counts, he got to go through this man to get it. Everybody knew, like the pastor said to me, he said, everybody knew because it's common knowledge that he was operated on for these hernias and then they came back, they broke out again. Well, I said, though, this get a good witness. You say, you know, but here, examine. If we could, I'd always have a doctor if we had one. Sometimes we did. But I said, examine that man. You, you feel those hernias? They said, yeah, yeah. Well, I said I'm going to curse them in the name of Jesus, and I cursed them in the name of Jesus, and they disappeared. I said, now examined him. They examined him. They disappeared. The pastor told me he went. I had look, we're out in the country, seeing a little country store down from the church, a ways, maybe oh less than a half mile. And uh, the pastor said, men all day long were taking him in the back room where they could remove his clothes and check it. <laughs> Found out he is healed. I mean, they disappeared. They disappeared. Well, it wasn't my faith. It wasn't his faith. It's a manifestation of the Spirit. Now, 19 years later, I was conducting a meeting in Houston, Texas, at an evangelistic temple, and a young man came, shook hands, and said, Brother, you remember me? I looked at him, and I said, No, I, I meet so many people, see so many people. I don't believe I do. He started to tell me. At about that time, I saw some features about his face that reminded me of his daddy, and I said, wait, 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 yeah. I said, you're Brother Baker's son, aren't you? Yeah. He said, he said I was 19 years old, you know, when he was healed. See, two or three days later then, after he was healed, he came to the altar and got saved. I laid hands on him, and got filled with the Spirit. And he said, I'm 38 now. I said, uh, well, well, I never whatever happened to your daddy? Well, he said, he's been an Assembly of God pastor for years now. See, God knows what he's doing. Amen. Hallelujah. I was preaching a camp meeting. I was preaching a camp meeting uh, for the Assemblies of God, a sectional camp meeting there in Oklahoma, 1951. And uh, they, they they had a tent up in the city park in Hugo, Oklahoma. And so I preached away finished my sermon when suddenly again the Spirit of God moved upon me. And I pointed to a man sitting back over on this side, three sections of seat in that tent. I pointed to this man, and he. I said, you. He said, me? Yeah. I said, you? Yeah. Stand up. He stood up. I said, step out now. He stepped out now. I said, the Lord shows me that you are a sinner. He said, right so far, preacher. I said, the Lord shows me that you have a double hernia. He said, right again. I said, the Lord told me to tell you to come down here, and I lay hands on you, both of them will disappear instantly. I mean, he never waited a moment. Here he come. From his town, the Assembly of God pastor, also presbyter of the section, said to me, he said, I thought, my God, my God, Brother Hagin has missed it. That man's wife is a member of my church. He's the meanest man in town. I mean, you can't think of anything. He said a lot of times decent people would turn away. They don't even see it. He's, he's, he's the meanest man. So when I asked, does anybody know this man, this pastor in president said, yeah, I do. I said, anybody know he has a double hernia? The pastor said, yeah, I do. I was there when he's operated on. They come back because he's watched a member of my church. They disappeared instantly. God initiated that on his own. Now, a couple of nights later, he came to the altar and got born again, got filled with the Holy Ghost. That pastor said to me that night, he said, boy, when can you get to me? Come to my church. <laughs> well, I was 18 months of getting there, but I did get there eventually. And he said to me, that man, God knows what he's doing. I, I, I was really taken aback and thought you had missed it. But he said, you know, that man was 100% for the devil but he's 110% for God. He's done more. He's put more people in church than all the rest of my men put together. See, God knows what he's doing. Praise God forevermore. Amen. We we were in a meeting, you know, when the a more recent time when the singers were with us in Philadelphia. There's four ladies sitting there in wheelchairs. Suddenly the anointing came upon me. And I I pointed to one of them. I said, uh, She said, one from this end over here, right. second one. I said, She said, me? I said, yeah, you. Then I dropped my hand. I said, now I'm going to point to you again. And when I do, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. Get up and walk out of that chair. I did, he did, and she did. She said several days later to some of the singers and band at the book table, I still can't believe it. Now we learned she'd been in the chair three years with rheumatoid arthritis. And then not only that, she had emphysema. She is healed of both of them. I still can't. So it wasn't her faith, was it? It wasn't my faith because it's my faith. I could have done the same thing with the other three ladies. No, it was a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Some people say, well, why don't you do that here? And why don't you do that here? you got your Bibles. Can you read? Get somebody close by if you can't. I want to show you something. Praise God. Maybe you can understand something that will be clear to you then. Turn to the fourth chapter of Luke. Turn to the fourth chapter of Luke real quickly. Amen. Hallelujah. Now notice this. Talking about Jesus, you know he was baptized by John in Jordan. And then as he came, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Remember that the devil tempted him and so on. Now then the 14th verse says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and they went out of fame of him throughout all the region around about. And he taught. First thing he did with the anointing was teach. Taught in their synagogue, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up far to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah or Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it's written, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, now listen carefully, he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. What does he mean? What do they mean that? All right, read on. Whatsoever we've heard done in Capernaum, we heard about all these healings and what all you did in Capernaum, do them also here in thy country. Did you know he never did do him? Remember back there? Brother Larry used that verse or brought the verse in Mark 6, chapter and the fifth verse. And he could there do no mighty work, save he laid his hands on a few. Actually the Greek says, a few sickly folk. Now notice, you will surely say to me, physician, heal thyself. We have heard, whatsoever we've heard done in Capernaum, do also here in this country, thy country. And he said, Verily I send you, no prophet except in his own country. Now, I want you to get this. But I tell you of the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when famine was throughout all the land, but a none of them was Elias sent, or Elijah, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. You remember he went into that widow's house and remember the barrel of oil just kept giving oil. Amen. But he said there were many widows but he couldn't do that just in any widow's house. It had to be as the anointing. Are you listening to me? Now notice, notice what he went on to say. Notice what he went on in the very next verse. And many lepers how many? Many, not a few. Many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, Elisha, that is, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. Think about that. Many lepers were in Israel in the days, in the time of Elisha. None of them was healed. Not one single one. Saving Naaman the Syrian. Amen. I said amen. Four ladies sitting in the wheelchair. One of them was healed. Now, the other three could be healed by believing God. As we laid hands on them in faith. But you see, if the anointing's not there, if the manifestation of the gift, see some people then, because they see that. Now, this count meeting I was telling you about sectional count meeting down in Southeast Oklahoma and Hugo. Now I'm ministering to the sick every night by the laying on of hands. In those days I'm sitting a chair in the platform. After you preached an hour. You see, when you get tired, the anointing will wane from you and it will disappear. And so you last longer if you're more rested. That's the reason I'd sit in the chair and I'd take them one by one, talk to them, minister to them. I saw this lady coming with a child. And uh, it was, it, I, I knew by looking at it, it must be four years old. Could it be five? I found it was four and a half. She was holding the child in her arms But the two legs (coughs) wasn't any bigger around than a pipe and just dangling like a rag doll. So when she got to me, I took the child and set it in my lap. And I asked her, she said, yes. Now, see, this is 1951. The child had polio when it's 14 months old. And those legs never did develop. The child, you know, from then on never walked, of course. Now, that's the last thing I remember. I had to ask my wife, what happened? The glory came down. Sometimes the Holy Ghost will be manifested in the cloud. You see that in the Old Testament. This white cloud came down and enveloped me. I got my eyes wide open, but I can't see the people. I can't see the boy. When the cloud lifted, the boys were running up and down the platform. Yeah! right there in front of everybody. Now, the tent wasn't a big tent, just 60 feet wide and 120 feet long. It was full, but we didn't know, and I didn't even know this, they had to tell me. Folks had come up, you know, and parked in their cars around. When they saw that, people got out of their cars and made a run for me. They thought I did that. The preachers had to get around me and stand around to keep me from people. Are you listening to me? See, when you understand how these things work, see, I, I didn't, I didn't do that. The anointing came. Elijah couldn't go into the widow's house and the meal barrel keep giving meal, and the oil crews keep pouring out oil. Bible said he is only sent to one of them. Isn't that right? Elijah, Elisha, many lepers. Not a single one of them was healed. That's what the Bible said, didn't it? We just read it. Now they could have been healed just by accepting their covenant. God made a covenant of healing with them. None of them was healed save in Naaman the Syrian. Amen. Well, thank God for that. See, now now all these people jumped out of these cars and ran trying to get to me. They thought I did that. If I did that to him, I could do that for them. No, I can't do that for them, unless the anointing's there to do it, unless there's a manifestation. Well, why aren't there more of these manifestations? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to let you get in on it. Amen. Why aren't there more? They're called gifts. We call them gifts, but they're called in the Scripture manifestations. That 7th verse of that 12th chapter, 1 Corinthians. The manifestation of the Spirit. It's given to every man to profit with all. And then he goes on to list the nine manifest... nine ways that the Holy Ghost manifests himself. If he doesn't manifest himself, what can you do? Just go ahead and give people the word. Encourage them to believe God. But thank God these manifestations will come. Now, I asked the Lord years ago. I told you I preached right here in California. I preached primarily in four square churches, some assembly of God. But I preached from Crescent City. The pastor was here the other day, this, this area. Now was pastor there then, shook sure hands with me. I preached from Crescent City to, to uh, San Diego, one end of the state to the other. And then all across the nation. Amen. And I'd go to one church, and we'd have, of these nine manifestations, we'd have seven of them be manifested in the meeting. Good and great, a lot of things happen. You go to another church, and because they're Pentecostal, you always, always had tongues and interpretation. That's about all you had. No manifestation. You'd pray twice as much as you ordinarily prayed, fast twice as much as you ordinarily fasted, nothing. You know the people loved you, they supported you well, Go to another church, you might have a little sprinkling. Go to another and have none. So after a period of time, you know, I did everything I know to do. But if that that manifestation's not there, there's no use of me. I mean, if I didn't have the manifestation, no use of me saying to the woman, I'm going to point to you again now. When I do, the Holy Ghost will come on you, get up and walk out of there. Well, you can sit there and say that in the flesh all day long, nothing will happen. Are you listening to me? And so, I went to the Lord in prayer about it. Prayer and fasting. Lord, why? You know, I know these people love God. I was in a meeting at the time I was praying and fasting. No manifestation. These people love the Lord. They, they, they support well, give, good givers. My needs are met. Pastors are a wonderful man. Why don't we have these manifestations? The Lord said to me, the apostle Paul did not write now, see, he had to use names like we'd know here. Did not write a letter to John Smith in the church at Corinth. He wrote a letter to the whole church, didn't he? He didn't say John desires spiritual gifts or spiritual matters, did he? He's telling the whole church to desire these things, isn't he? Isn't he? And he said, that's the reason they don't have them because they don't desire them. The Holy Ghost is a perfect gentleman. I mean, if you don't want him, he'll leave you alone. Are you listening to me? Amen. He said, they don't desire these things. Now, one reason people don't desire them as a church is because they don't even know about them sometimes. But where they do desire them, Then I manifest myself. Then they're in manifestation. Can you understand that? Amen. That's the reason we need teaching along this line and preaching to get people stirred up, desire spiritual gift. You didn't say, John, you desire, no. Corinthian church, you desire spiritual gift. You covet the best gifts. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. 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 So know the difference between God initiating healing and man initiating healing. Now you could speak for a month on that, but I, I don't have the time. Amen. Now, the sixth most important thing you need to know about healing is that it's not always instant. The Bible said, even under the ministry of Jesus, and he had the Spirit without measure. In John's Gospel, the fourth chapter, the nobleman's son began to amend from that hour. That means he began getting better and better and better, and finally was all right. The ten lepers were healed as they went. You know the reason a lot of folks are not healed, they haven't went. What do you mean? Well, listen, I'll tell you. What did Jesus say to them? When he said that to them, they still got the leprosy. When they started on the journey, he said, Go to the high priest, cover him not go to the high priest, and offer the sacrifice for your cleansing as a testimony unto them, didn't he? So the scriptures then said, as they went their way, see, they went, they did what they were told to do. Amen. And their leprosy disappeared. They weren't healed on the spot. Now, in the ninth chapter of John's gospel, as they passed by, they saw this man that was blind. And to make a long story short, you remember Jesus spit on the ground, made spittle, put it on the man's eyes, said, go wash it off in the pool of Siloam and thou shalt come again and see it. Remember? Now, I want to ask you a question. When did his healing begin? See, healing very often is a process. When did his healing begin? When Jesus spit on the ground. I mean, he's not spitting just to be spitting. He's inspired by the Holy Ghost to do that. Made made clay of the spittle. And then put that on his eyes. So the healing process continued. And then he said, go, wash it off in the pool of Siloam, and thou shalt come again seeing. Now the man's blind. Tradition said a little 10, 12-year-old boy led it. Probably somebody did. How did he know you know, how would he know when he got that? But we'll just say, for instance, that little boy is a leading. Him, and that little boy said, well, now here, here, here's a little pond. Why don't we just stop right here? Would he have been healed? You see, it wouldn't have been consummated. You see, healing begins, I'm convinced. No matter who lays on you the minute hands are laid upon you, healing begins. Amen but you didn't went, or you didn't go. Go, wash it off in the pool of Siloam. Then we'll say, for instance, we were walking along, and that little boy said, well, now my house is just around the corner here, why don't we just stop there and wash your eyes with the healing we've been consummated? No. What if they had got to the pool? The little boy said, yeah, here it is, right here, there's the pool. Just get down here where you can wash your eyes. They got down there and he put his hand in the water and started to wash his eyes and said, just dropped his hand, dropped his head, said, well, you know that's foolish. How in the world is anybody going to get healed washing their eyes in the lake? Well, that's the way of them healing evangelists. They all, they wore out. No, I'm not going to do it. Would he have been healed? No. No. But when he did it, thank God his eyes were open. My wife and I were married this coming November, 64 years ago, 25th day of November, 19 and 38. I was pastor of a little fool gospel church in a little town t- tamed, named Tom Bean down in the southeast corner of Grayson County. Uh, that's two counties above Dallas County, amen, and uh, my father-in-law is a farmer in that community, uh, and, and so he said, now son, when you get married, I, I rented a room from one of my parishioners for a room and board. I paid $2.50 a week, room and board. Somebody said, well, you must have got a good deal. No, that's a going price. <laughs> hey, amen. $2.50 a week. But my father-in-law said, now when you get married, just move in here in the farmhouse. We got plenty of room and no no rent. And food bill, you know, and what little church pays you, you know, sort of save you, help you get started in life. And so we were married. See, 25th day of November 1938 was on Friday, you remember? The day after Thanksgiving. And so then I I, uh, stayed Friday night. My wife and I was one of our deacons. And Saturday night, then we had church on Sunday. And then on Monday, I moved my few belongings into that old country house, farmhouse. I got 14 boxes sitting over in the corner of the room. Some of them, books is in some of them, different things. what clothes few clothes you had. you know I, I got married in a bought, bought a new suit from J.C. Penny. You know they had good, better, and best. I, I bought the best one. I mean, ordinarily costs thirty-four ninety-five. I got it for thirty-one ninety-five on sale. Yeah, suit of clothes. <laughs> Amen. And uh, and so my, what few clothes I had, I, I hung them up the closet. Now the twenty-eighth Monday would be the twenty-eighth day of November, nineteen thirty-eight. And so we're sitting visiting about nine-thirty. Decided to go to bed. My wife's brother was off somewhere. So my father-in-law said, they're Methodists now. You've got, got, got to understand that these folks are Methodist." And so he said, oh, this is this, a this need to pray and have family prayer. So we knelt to pray. He's on just to my right. My, my wife is to my left. My mother-in-law on the other side of her. And so, you know, just being nice, praying, you know, just. But the anointing came on me and the urge to pray in tongues. And I thought, dear Lord, if I start out here with a deluge of tongues, I don't know what will happen in this good old Methodist home. And so I tried to hold back, did my best, but it seemed like he just kept building up power on the inside. Amen, like a whistling tea kettle every now and then a word or two would come out. And finally, I just throwed caution to the wind and tore out a praying in other tongues. And I prayed for an hour. And I heard a voice say, lay your hand on your wife and I'll fill her with the Holy Ghost. She never sought the Holy Ghost a day in her life or a moment. Well, I didn't pay any attention to it. I thought, you know, it'd go away. I don't like to be interrupted while I'm praying. And so again, the voice said, lay your hand on your wife and I'll fill her with the Holy Ghost. I'd never done anything like that or heard of it being done. I kept on praying, thought it'd go away. Finally, third time said, Lay your hand on your wife now fill it with the Holy Ghost. So I thought to myself, well, it won't hurt to try. I realized there's unbelief in that, as Long as you don't know any better, he will put up a little unbelief in you. You know better you can't get by with it. And so I opened my eyes then, because I kept them shut all that time. I, I opened my eyes, my, my dad-in-law's still over there, my wife's still over there, my mother-in-law on the other side of her. So I never gave any instruction or anything. I just reached this hand out and laid on my wife's head. She lifted both hands and started talking in tongues instantly. Never stammered, never stuttered, never said a word in English. She talked in tongues from 10:30 till midnight. Hour and a half. We had Pentecost in that good old Methodist home. Hallelujah. Ha ha ha. And at midnight, I'm gonna to get to what I wanted to get over to you now. And at midnight. Now, now, my mother-in-law had what the doctor called a double gorder. I mean, it's as big out here, bigger than my fist. But he said it's twice as big on the inside as it is on the outside. I'd talk to her about healing. Yeah, I believe God heals. I believe you were healed, but I just don't have the faith. Now, she's her suitcase is packed. This is Monday night. Tuesday morning, she's going to town, to Sherman take to the hospital. And they're going to get her ready for operation. And at midnight, that same voice said to me, get, get your oil and anoint your mother-in-law and I'll heal her. Well, I thought, dear Lord, where is my oil? I had a little bottle, perfume bottle, they're put in that little side pocket here, you know. It's in there in those boxes somewhere. I said, Lord, no reason be turned on the light. I don't know where that is. You lead me to it. I followed his leading, reached down, put my hand right on the bottle. Glory to God, it wasn't over that talk. just a little bitty thing. I went back and anointed my mother-in-law. And I saw that garter go down just like you'd stuck a pin in a balloon, you know. Till it got out about the size of a quarter. And there's a little knot left there. And then the Lord said to me, or the voice said to me, tell your mother-in-law to go to the altar Wednesday night in your church and I'll fill her with the Holy Ghost and complete her healing." Well, I told her. Wednesday night, I didn't hardly get through with my message. I wasn't a teacher in those days, strictly a preacher. Till my mother-in-law just jumped up and said, I can't wait. (laughs) Ran to the altar and fell over the altar. She's talking in tongue time. She hit the altar. When she got up, we looked and the knot disappeared. Now, here's what I wanted to say to you. What if she hadn't went? You You see what I'm saying? Amen. I said, amen. amen. Healing begins. Be sure you go. Be sure you do what the Lord says. They were healed, ten lepers, not not instantly, gradually as they went. This blind man in the ninth chapter wasn't healed instantly on the spot. The healing began when Jesus spit on the ground and made spittle or, of the clay Spit on the crate. Amen. The healing continued. Amen. When he put it on the man's eyes, rubbed it on the man, the mud, in other words. The healing continued as he's on his way, going. Amen. The healing continued as he kneels down. The healing continues as he touches the water. The healing continues as it's finally, finally consummated when he washes his eyes. What if he hadn't washed his eyes? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So healing is not always instant, sometimes gradual. Then understand this. Number seven, seven most important thing you need to know about it, is that God's method is spiritual and can be lost. Now, you need to understand that. Healing is not mental as Christian science and the mind science religions teach, unity and other met- metaphysical teachers, neither is it physical. Healing is not physical, as the medical world teaches. When God heals, he heals through the spirit. That is, through the human spirit. That's the reason you know a lot of times on the inside of you, you're healed, but there's no manifestation, but you know it. Hold fast to it and it'll come, it'll show up on the outside. When man, man heals, he must either do it through the mind that's governed by the physical senses, or he does it through the physical body. Man is a spirit being. Life's greatest forces are spiritual. Love and hate. Fear and faith. Joy and grief are all of the spirit. It's a remarkable fact that when Jesus comes on the scene as a healer, he demands faith. He declares, Thy faith has made thee whole. Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto you. I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Go thy way, thy servant's healed. Many, many such statements. You see, That proves that all of Jesus' healings were spiritual. He demands faith. Faith is born of the Spirit. Amen? Praise God forevermore. Sin brought the disease. I don't mean you sin necessarily, but Adam sinned in the beginning. Amen? And we fell heir then to these things. Sin brought the disease, but the Word of God delivers. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! The Bible said in the 107th Psalm and the 20th verse, he sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. The word is the healer today. Man gets his healing by acting upon the word. That action is called faith. Hallelujah. Healing belongs to the believer. Are you listening to me? Yes. Hallelujah. Now, let me give you a little further instruction before we lay hands on the sick. Amen. Go back to the text there in Mark 15, 18. One sign to follow believers. Follow whom? Believers. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, you can lay hands on the sick from a two-fold standpoint. First of all, when hands are laid on you, that's the point where you release your faith. In other words, you lay your hands on people as a point of contact. That's when you release your faith. If no faith is released, no healing will be apparent. Amen. Now, I was healed. Like I said, I didn't know. The Lord just said you can pray that prayer as well as anybody, and I did, and I was healed. But then I left that bed preaching. I'd been somewhere ministering on the weekend. I woke up on a Monday morning and I thought something's wrong on the side of my face. I reached up there and sort of pinched it and couldn't feel a thing. And, uh, and the whole side of my face had no feeling to it. And I got up and looked in the mirror and smiled. And when I did, this part of my face took no, and my, 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 mouth run all the way around the mirror almost. But on this side, no movement. When I went to bed that night, I didn't realize, but I I shut this eye, but this eye wouldn't close. Do you ever try to go to sleep one eye open one eye shut? <laughs> so I reached up there with my finger and pulled that eye lid down, you know, and it just slowly opened back up. So I just rolled over and went back to sleep. I said, well, Now, I'd been going. I wasn't a member there. I believe at that time I was working in the Christian church, Disciples of Christ. But I said, but I went to the the Full Gospel Tabernacle every chance I got because they believed in healing and it strengthened my faith. I said, I'll just go down there Wednesday night to service and get Brother Connor to anoint me with oil. So I went. Well, they had a long service, had some business to tend to, and ordinarily, Pentecostal, they'd close their meeting out everybody coming around the altar to pray. But the pastor said, because it's so late, uh, just everyone standing will be dismissed. And so we all stood. I'm about halfway back. There's about 400 people present because the building was 80 feet long and it seats 800 comfortably. And I'm, I got in late. I'm right on the back, you know, about halfway back, but right on the back of the crowd. And so when he said, this all stand be dismissed, I lifted him in and said, brother pastor, I wanted you to pray for my healing before we go. Now, when I said that, every time I opened my mouth, my ear ran around, my mouth run around this way, and this side took no movement at all. And so he said, well, come right on then, and we'll pray. So I marched down to the front. He took a bottle of olive oil off of the pulpit and anointed me with oil, laid his hand on my head and prayed. Now, I don't know till this day one single thing he said. I wasn't listening. I'm waiting to hear that word, amen. That's the point where I'm going to release my faith. So when he said amen, I lifted my hand and said, Thank God it's gone! See, I'm saying what I believe. Because when I said that, this corner of my mouth ran all the way around the my ear almost. This side still feels dead. But you see, by faith, faith calls those things which be not as though they were. Amen. Well, I'm a single young man in those days. And I'd walk to church with a young lady. We were never sweethearts or anything. Before I got saved, her brother and I were just close, just like that. I was over at her house a lot. And she belonged to the Methodist church. I was there at their house before we went to church. And so we about, about, about six of we young people were walking along home. None of us, none of us are Pentecostal. Three Besides this Methodist girl... Three other girls belonged to the first Christian church. They, they they, were beautiful singers, trio. And I don't know just where the boys, what they were. I think they were Baptists. But anyway, they said, did the Lord really heal you when Brother Connor noted you with oil? I said, sure did. Well, we noticed when we passed under that street light up there a while ago, and you laughed, that one corner of your mouth went all the way around the ear. Do you feel healed? I said, no, I don't feel healed. Well, what makes you think you're healed? I said, I don't think I'm no, I am. Well, what makes you say that? I say, the word of God. The word of God. So we got to Alexander's house. And so Imogene called her mother up front. Now, those houses, see, we're talking about in the mid-30s. Those houses were built, you know, before they had electricity, so they put electricity in. And they just got a light hanging down the middle of the room, you know. You pull the string or turn, the you know. So gene turned the light on. Uh, other lights were there, but turn this on, get extra light. These were little short women. And she said, Mama, look at Kendall's face. So she's looking up because they're short. And I can't help keep them laughing. And I'm laughing, and one <clears throat> corner of my mouth is going this way, and this is taking nothing. And so Miss Alexander said, Well, Imogene, what am I looking for? She said, He thinks he's healed. I said, I don't think I'm healed, or no I am. Jean said, well, now, Mama, does he look any different than he did before we went to church? See, I've been there before, you know. Well, Mr. I said, no, not that I can tell. Well, he thinks I said, Damajene, I don't think I'm healed, or no I am. Well, what makes you say that? I said, according to the word. Hallelujah. 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 Miss Alexander said, now, Imogene, maybe Kenneth knows something about faith that we don't know. Thank God I did. Said, you know, when he was sick over there for those 16 months, we lived just two blocks away on Bradley Street, and said, Dr. Robertson, doctor on my case, uh, doctors made house calls 1933-34, and said, I I had him out the house for Jack, one of her boys, and I asked him about Kenneth. He said, Miss Alexander, that boy ought to have been dead long ago. How he's lived we don't know. I believe he has the strongest will of any person I know. It wasn't will, it's was faith. But said, I'll give him ninety days at the most to live. But I uh, still alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. After after sixty seven years. Amen. So Miss Alexander said, maybe he knows something about faith that we don't know. I said, sure do. Sure do. Hallelujah. I've been trying to get it over to folks ever since then. Everybody that listen. Well, I went home, went to bed when I opened, when I shut. Last time I looked at the clock, I'd been praising him for 40 minutes. Praising him for he Woke up the next morning, everything's fine. Smile, face, just... Went over to Alexander's house. Went in just a-grinning. My face straight. Imogene said, Oh, see, you got your healing. See, she's walking what she sees. I'm walking with what I believe. I said, Yeah, last night another conor anointing me so prayed. That's when I got it. Well, you didn't have it when you left here. Now, if I'd been going by her faith, it would never materialize. Her faith in what she sees. My faith's in what the Word says what I believe. Amen? So, when hands are laid on you, that's the point of contact where you release your faith. And if you don't release your faith, there'll be no healing. Nothing. Amen? What do you mean release your faith? What do you mean release your faith? I mean that's the point where you start believing I receive my healing. Amen? Then you need to realize also that laying on hands, you minister also, you can lay hands on people in obedience to the law of contact and transmission. Where one is anointed by the Holy Ghost, then the contact of your hands transmits God's healing power to your body. Now, I can, I can send that power, so to speak, minister that power to you, but I can't receive it for you. Many times I lay hands on people. I feel that, leave my hand, go out of my hand, right into them, comes right back into my hand. Now why? They don't take it. Now you know, well as I know from the natural standpoint, you know, if I had a bundle of $100 bills here, I said, well now as many as you get up here, I'm going to give one to each one of you. I can give you the $100, but I can't take it for you. And don't you know I can tell when you take hold of it? I can turn loose up, but if you don't take hold of it, it'll just flutter down to the floor. Did you know spiritual things are just as real, as natural? Are you listening to me? Amen. Now, Jesus, in 1950, appeared to me in a vision in Rockwall, Texas. Among other things, he laid the finger of his right hand upon each one of my hands, when, when he did, they began to burn. Like I was holding a coal of fire in them. And then he said, kneel down before me, and I knelt before me, laid his hand on me, and said, I've called thee and have anointed thee. He'd called me, he said, told me earlier, before I was born. And then he'd anointed me to preach and so on. But have given unto thee a special anointing. That's what happened right then. That was a special anointing to minister to the sick. Now listen, carefully. He said to me, but this anointing will not work. Well, we want to get it to work, don't we? It will not work unless you tell the people exactly what I've told you. Now, when he said that, I thought to myself, does he want me to tell the whole vision? His whole thing was an hour and a half long. He went on to explain. That is, he said, you tell them you saw me. You tell them I appeared to you. You tell them I laid the finger of my right hand upon each one of your hands. You tell them the healing anointing is in your hands. He smiled and said, not in your feet. Didn't tell you to lay your feet on anybody. The healing anointing not in your head. Didn't tell you to lay your head on anybody. The healing anointing is in your head. You tell them that I told you to tell them that if they'll believe that, that is, just what I got through telling you, and if they will believe that and will receive it, then that anointing will flow from your hand into their body and will drive out their sickness or their disease, or will effect a healing or a cure in them. Amen? I said amen? amen? Now, it's just that simple, and that's how it works. Praise God forevermore. The anointing is a tangible substance. That's one of the secrets of divine healing. The anointing is a tangible substance. What do you mean tangible? Perceptible to the touch. Capable of being touched. Touched. Amen. The anointing is transmittable or transferable. When that woman touched Jesus' clothes, he knew immediately it had gone out of him. He was aware of the outflow; she's aware of the reception. Amen. The Spirit of God emanating from the Apostle Paul transformed those holy Go- those handkerchiefs and claws into storage batteries of Holy Ghost power. And when they were laid on the sick, they surcharged the body, and the healing was the result. I mean, one year at camp Meeting, we always have a lot of handkerchiefs and claws to lay hands on. I laid hands on these claws, and, and I always do this. May the same anointing that I'm anointed with flow from my hands into these claws and saturate them. As these claws are taken under the sick and laid on the bodies there, may that power, be transmitted to the body, surcharge the body, the disease or diseases depart from them, the evil spirit or spirits go out of them. And so we were off a week after camp meeting, went to St. Louis, and in a hall there, we had mechanics hall, we had a meeting like this, went back home for a week, then we went to Minneapolis, an auditorium meeting, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and there were a group of ladies that came from Des Moines, Iowa to the Minnesota meeting from the Lutheran Church. And we uh, they wanted to take us out, so my wife and I, we went out to eat with them one day. And the pastor's wife of the Lutheran Church was there. She said, we had, my husband didn't come to count. meeting, we had six or seven, I, I believe it was seven, seven people in our church that were sick. And some of them pretty bad off. So he didn't come. He stayed. But we took a hanker. We took these hanker, pinned them together for these. And when I went up to get them, I started to reach and get them. This Lutheran pastor's wife said, I, I felt something coming out of them. I said, something's coming out of them. Said one of the ladies said, that's that an anointing. And just reached and grabbed them. And she said, we took them home. And we took one of those hankers to each one of these seven people. And all seven of them were healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Tangibility of the Spirit of God and the healing anointing is one of the secrets of healing. You see, healing, tangible means capable of being touched and means perceptible to the touch. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise God for your holy word. Thank you for the privilege to share. Thank you for the privilege to minister. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, how many of you have a healing card? Now, the reason we do that makes it easier to line up. We just line up a few at a time. Don't run over one another. Amen. We'll get to you. Praise God. Number one, you got healing card number one? Stand up if you do. Stand up if you do. Come on down here. Come on down here real quickly. Amen. Now, say it out loud, everybody. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. You've been seated for a long time. Say it out loud. Jesus is the healer. healer. Now say that again. Jesus is the healer. healer. One way, way. not the only way, way. but one way way. that He heals. is through the land on the hands. I believe that Jesus heals today through the land on the hands. Now, if you don't believe that, you're wasting your time to come down here. Amen? Just that simple. Say it again. Jesus is the healer. One way, not the only way, but one way that he heals It's through the land on the hands. hands. I believe believe that Jesus heals today today. through the land on hands. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Now, let me get one more thought over to you real quickly. In one meeting, it's sponsored by several churches. Now, this meeting is sponsored by Brother Tom Pickens and the Antelope Valley Christian Center. But in this particular meeting I was talking about, they were seven churches. Now, some of them just little small churches. All together, two or three Church of God, two or three Assembly of God, one or two, in, well, two independent churches. And so one of the pastors, or the pastor, of this independent church was a lady, woman pastor. And so we were using the building of one of the churches had the largest auditorium where we could all couldn't get them all in but in other words get most of them in and so the associate pastor of this church asked me brother Hagin why doesn't sister so-and-so receive her healing well I didn't know who he's talking about but when he described her then I remember she's in every healing line we were there six weeks and at the time that he was talking to me she'd been in seventeen lines and so, he said, well, I'll tell you why, I asked. See, she's pastor of this independent Pentecostal church. He said there's some, and it was, wasn't old, but a little older, you know, 50 years and 55 is a little older than 25. said, some of the younger people in our church, I asked them why they didn't go for healing. They said, well, if Sister So-and-So can't get healed, she's a pastor and marvelous, if she can't get healed, no use us going. And so she, she's standing in the way of other people receiving. And so because we had been talking about it that afternoon, then I'm more conscious. That night when I'm laying hands on folks, there she is in the line again. So when I got to her, because I'd talk to her every night, so you know he's asking her, I know what all the problems are and everything. So I, I, uh, I thought I'd take a little extra time to see if I could pick up something. So I laid hands on her and prayed. And I, I, I kept reaching out. I call it putting up my umbrella, my spiritual antenna. But I didn't pick up anything. And so I took hands off of her. And she started feeling her body. I said, no, 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 that's it. No, that's not it. I still hurt right there, right there. So I laid hands on her and prayed the second time. See if I could pick up something I didn't and couldn't. Took my hands off of her. She did the same thing. Sort of mass arms. She said, I'm still sore right in there. Now so I said didn't get a thing. So the third time I laid hands on her, prayed, she did the same thing. Well, I thought, well, I prayed three times. I mean, sent her on. As she walked away, suddenly, you know, if it was me, I'd do it differently, but the Holy Ghost is doing it and he knows what he's doing. If it had been me, I'd have, he, I'd have told him head time, but he'd have, suddenly, he showed me exactly Not only what to do, but told me you can't help her. She won't be helped. But you can help these young people and they'll get in. So I called her back. I said, sister, come back, come back. She said, you talking to me? I said, yeah, come back here. See, I took them one by one. And so she came back. I said, when, now you listen real carefully. When are you going to start believing that you receive healing? Well, she said, when I have it. I said, what do you want to believe it then for? Looks to me like you'd know it then. She said, well, say that again. I said, when are you going to start believing that you have your healing? Well, she said, when I get healed. I said, what do you want to believe it then for? Looks to me like you'd know it then. She said, well, say that again. I said, when, are you getting it? When? Are you going to start believing you receive your healing? She said, well, when I get healed. I said, it looks to me like you'd know it then. What do you want to believe it then for? It looks like you'd know it then. Amen. And she let the cat out of the bag. You know what I mean by that? Gave herself away. She said, well, I'm not going to believe I've got something that my physical senses. Don't tell me I have. See, I knew that. He'd show me. I said, all right. You go sit down and do without it because you'll never get it. All these young people came in then and got healed. Didn't get here Five years later, went back to the same area, not the same church, but the same area. She's in every healing line. Ten years later, retired from pastoring because of ill health. Never did receive healing. Never did. Never did. Somewhere you're going to have to start believing that I received my healing. If you got to have it. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank, you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. You want to come and help me? Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Who's the healer? Jesus. I have I've had people ask me, Can you heal me? I said, No, I couldn't heal the gnat's wing. I couldn't heal the fly's eyeball. But Jesus can. Amen. 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 Now, I wish I had time to take time to talk to every one of you. Individually, I'd get more of you healed if I could. But I don't. You can understand that. Amen. But I've given you instruction as, as I was instructed by the Lord to instruct you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you ready? Yes. For what? When? Now. Oh, mind to see you. We lay our hands on you in obedience to the law of contact and transmission. The contact of my hands transmits God's heat. That's it. That's it. That's it. Right there. Samahoke. You ready to believe? Right now. Samaho. You ready to believe? Mama Mahaso. Mama wahaso prathe he vizu de genimondo banade lesdona lesdona prathe he bele free pfi e bradu de brande ban lu usam papa mama hale fremeve amen now take it. receive 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 Receive. amen pato husite pato husite thank you thank you thank you thank you Say it again. Jesus is, the Jesus is the healer. You may be seated in the congregation. Sister, we lay hands on you. Woo! Samahorehe, Samohorehe. me me mehefe, me me mehefe, potuhura batante, batante pantonti, barede venced, bavranu chente, bavranu chente. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Say it again, everybody. Jesus is the healer. Hallelujah. We lay our hands upon you by the direct... Oh, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. It's going right into you we lay our hands on you by the direction that's it that's it. it's going right into you we lay our hands on you by the direction that's it. it's going right into you we lay hands on you by the, di- the sopa we lay hands on